Welcome to the See Differently Project with your host, Renee Balcom. Over the next hour, you'll learn what you should expect from your care provider and how to take charge of your care needs. Hear from the experts. Now, here's Renee Balcom. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the See Differently Project. This is Renee Balcom, and I am so excited about our show today. Um, we are shifting a little bit. We are going to shift into some questions, some uh, uh, subject matter about family care. And I have a really, really special, two special guests here with me today. Um, I want to talk a minute, though, about why this subject is important. Um, the title of our show is The Scary First Baby. And the reason that really struck me that we should explore this subject is because um, there's so much noise in the world today for new parents. And and honestly, um, it's been a little frightening to observe uh, this couple that's coming on today uh, as they've tried to navigate that. So I wanted to hear from them directly about that process and what that's looked like for them and how they feel about uh, being first-time parents. Um, I pulled up some information and just some statistics. Uh, there are 10,000 babies born a day in the United States and around 40% of them. So four out of 10 are to new parents and first-time parents. So there really, really is um, a big uh uh, need for information, understanding, and compassion for these parents because they're getting with social media now and all of the information coming in, they're getting fed a whole, whole lot of information. So uh, we wanted to talk about that and explore that today. But with no further delay, um, I want to welcome Alexandra and Wayne Jensen to the show. Thank you. Hey, Good morning. Thanks for having us. Good, Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Um, I'm so honored to have you here today. I do want the audience to know, full disclosure, Alexandra is my daughter. So the scary first baby that we're going to be talking about is also my first grandchild, which I have to say has been a little scary. It's even kind of scary to say that, like first grandchild. Oof, I don't think I'm old enough for that. But uh, but we're going to talk a lot about uh, just the process that Wayne and Alex have gone through, the decisions they've made um, in their parenting decisions, and how they've how they've navigated that. So um, so look, you guys, I want everyone to have a good time with the show today. I want you to just really, really be yourself. Wayne, I think having the male perspective in this conversation is very important because oftentimes we overlook that and we put a lot of time and attention into the new mom, but the new dad can be even scarier, right? Because, you know, there's, there's, it's not necessarily what they would say is the natural instinct for a male. So hearing from you is going to be important today. So let's just start from the beginning. How long have you known each other? When did you get married? What's the deal? I'll let you go. Okay. So Wayne and I met um, just about 10 years ago. Um, and we were both, we both ended up living back in Brookings, Oregon, where we're from, and um, ended up both single at the time. And I was actually out to dinner with you and um, our my stepdad and Wayne approached the table and asked me out on a date and we've been together ever since. Yeah, Renee and, Renee and Jerry were some of my uh, favorite regulars that would come in and they would always sit in the 
this little high top chair in the bar area and and jerry was addicted to my bloody marys <laughs> <laughs> he still is he still yeah. is and what and was hey, funny was before before us getting together and meeting my mom would always reach out and talk to me about this guy that was such a hard worker and so charismatic and so fun and that i just had to meet him and um, that was a little strange because it was very unlike Renee to uh, to try to course me to meet somebody. So um, when I did, um, it was awesome. Yeah, and I had known I had known her from I, I I didn't really know her that well, but I worked with her brother at we me and him worked at the uh, at a liquor store together and a pizza place together, and. Um, you know, I, I, she was, when I would first saw her, she was dating another guy and I was like, oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I always thought, man, she is so pretty. And Drew's like, shut up. That's my sister, bro. You know, and <laughs> I don't know. It just ended up uh, working out perfectly, you know, and. Yeah. And just, just to line. give, <laughs> just to give the audience a little bit of um, background on this and some perspective. So. Brookings, Oregon is the first community um, in Oregon, on the Oregon coast, as you leave California. So as soon as you leave the state of California, you enter Oregon, you're now entering into the Brookings Harbor area. So it's a little old fishing community, and it's kind of a small, small town. So um, so everybody, you know, kind of knows each other. And uh, it was a great place to live and raise my kids. But but I had not really met Wayne except through this restaurant and my son had introduced us. But just just to give an image that on Alex's first date with Wayne, now she's what, 21, 20? Yeah, 20. 20. So she's 20 years old and this guy comes down our street pulling a wheelie on a... <laughs> on a, a um, Harley to pick her up for coffee. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, what have I done? Yeah. And it worked out. It worked yeah, out. Yeah. And she she got on the back of that motorcycle. He picked up a new helmet for her and off they rode. And it's been a journey ever since. So and the least of it being this baby in their life. Um, I, I want to ask, I know that you guys worked for a while to have a baby. It was a little bit of a struggle, right? Yeah. I, I think when we, when we got married, we decided that we weren't going to inhibit pregnancy in any way. Um, and so we had gone about seven years um, together without any signs of pregnancy at all and any success at all. And so, um, and, and we had really in the beginning process, I had a difficult time with that because I wanted to be pregnant, you know, right away after being married. And in hindsight, looking at that now, it was, you know, God's grace and alignment for us that that didn't happen. And, and we just kind of moved forward in our life and, um, you know, started working really, really hard in our, in our business life. And, and then um, almost two years ago now, uh, or almost three years ago now, gosh, he's going to be two, um, we were sitting on the couch and just kind of talking of like, hey, do we want to maybe consider adoption? And 
I had never really considered the IVF journey. Um, I have a lot of friends that have had to take that path and, um, it just seemed really, really difficult. Um, I have so much respect for the families that do go down that path. Um, but I just had never really considered it for ourselves. Um, and so we were talking about adopting and little did we know in that conversation, we were actually pregnant. Um, and so, um, but yes, it did take quite some time and, and we really still don't know why. Hmm. Okay. So I seem to remember though, Alex, you did, I know you were, you were, um, experimenting with like changing your diet and some of those things. Do you feel like that affected your ability to get pregnant, to conceive? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I had started having some difficulty in my gut with a variety of foods that I was eating and, and just really wanted to test what was, um, causing those issues for me. And, um, I, I ended up taking one of those Everly well tests, which is a great, uh, company. You can access those tests at target. Um, and I took the Everly well food sensitivity test and found out that I had allergies to turkey, chicken, garlic, (laughs) and tomatoes, which are all of the foods that I eat regularly. So I just decided for the course of the next three months that I was going to eliminate those foods from my diet and bam, I was pregnant right away. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. It was kind of shocking. And again, we just, you know, just so that everyone knows we don't have any scientific, you know, uh, correlation to that at all. But it was interesting that just taking those allergens out of her diet, uh, she ended up pregnant and with a really successful pregnancy, right? Would you, would you say it was, Wayne may not think it was overly successful because of the end. (laughs) It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. I I think that, I think the pregnancy was great. You know, I did, I did struggle towards the end um, with some uh, pelvic pain, pelvic bone pain, but I think that that was just the size that I got to at the end, um, for those that are listening that don't know, I'm about four foot 11 and, um, I got to about 175 pounds, a little over. So that was, that's very big for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, um, being able to manage and carry that weight got difficult at the end, but I had a really great pregnancy. I I feel like it was, it was pretty seamless. Yeah. And you were, you were pregnant, um, remind me, was it it, during COVID or at the at the end of COVID, what year were you pregnant? Yeah. So I, I got pregnant towards, towards the end of COVID. Um, and we were, I I think as a country, all concerned at the time with, um, with COVID spiking again. And, um, and, and I know that I had friends that had had labors where they had to be without their spouses. Um, and so for me, that was just really not, a a road that I was willing to take. And so, um, I did, I did get pregnant during kind of the end season of COVID. Yeah. So, so during that time, cause I know prenatal care is really, really important. And, um, and again, we're, we're seeing, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of issues in pregnancy and childbirth in our country today. And, um, a lot of that they're saying is due to lack of prenatal care. Um, I know that that was something that was important to you. So what, 
what avenue? I mean, to me, this is where the hard decisions begin, right? You're now pregnant. You've got to make some decisions about doctors and delivery and all of the things, you know, to get ready for this baby. And so let's talk about that. Like, what were your decisions like? How were you getting prenatal care? What was happening for you guys? Yeah. So we had, um, we had our first visit, um, with a local, um, medical provider here in California. Um, and we had just a very interesting experience during that first visit, Mm -hmm. um, with really interesting questions. And I just decided that again, it was, it was at towards the end of COVID, but we weren't really sure the direction that that was going to take. And so I decided that it was going to be best for us to, to have a birth center or at home birth. And at the time I didn't really know, um, of any places locally that did this, but I, I knew that I had friends that had been successful with birth center and home birth. So I just started researching and we were lucky enough to find the, um, the California birth center in Roseville, um, Roseville, California. And so it was, um, just kind of by happenstance that we found that we found that place and their, their prenatal care is absolutely incredible. Um, their staff there is unbelievable. Um, and Trish, the founder of, of California birth center has done just an incredible job of, of really, uh, making the, the birthing experience, um, natural and back to what it was always really supposed to be. Um, during our first visit there, they said the only non-emergent medical activity that's taking place in the hospital is childbirth. And for me, it was like, oh my gosh, that's totally right. And, and while I understand that childbirth can become emergent and there is a need for intervention at times, um, the majority of the time there's not. And so we just decided the best route for us was the birth center route. Yeah. And like before, you know, when we first found out that she was pregnant, I mean, it was just the most you know, exciting and unbelievable thing. I mean, we did took a while to wrap our heads around it. And, and during that time, there was a lot of just, you know, with social media and just the information highway that's out there about the horror stories that were happening to uh, soon to be parents, you know, and like, you know, the dad, you know, the mom's in the hospital and the dad's going in, maybe he had contact with somebody who had COVID or tested positive for COVID, but didn't have any symptoms. And they were basically, he was just kicked out of the hospital during you know, the most important day of his life. And I'm like, we're like, that. that's, we got to figure out how that is never going to be even something that's in the headlights at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, that really led us to like talking and asking our friends and going to the birth center and going that, that route. And yeah. And I, I do, I do think it was a time where there were um, there was a lot of misinformation in the marketplace. And unfortunately the hospitals were reacting to um, uh, directives that they were receiving that, probably was not accurate information as well. And Mm -hmm. it was really creating, I remember 
reading articles about couples that that really, really struggled during that time. And that like Wayne, like you're saying, like dads are on the parking lot outside where their children are being born, right? And mom's struggling with this by herself with strangers in the room. So so COVID definitely had an effect on childbirth and delivery in those years for sure. Um, well, listen, they're flagging us for our first break. Um, I really appreciate that you guys are here. And I want to tell the audience a little bit about um, Alexandra is the creator of The Worthy Blog and The Worthy Brand. And we're going to tell you how to look that up and reach out to her towards the end of the show. Um, Alex and Wayne are both executive managers for a local Dutch Bros Coffee uh, here in Woodland, California. And um, uh, they work together. So on top of their life together, they also work together, which is you know, definitely an interesting process to navigate before new baby too. So we'll explore that a little bit, but we're going to be back in just a few minutes. And uh, I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the birthing experience, literally what that was like for Alex in a birthing center outside of a hospital and uh, what it was like for Wayne. So we'll see you in a few seconds. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The See Differently Project will deliver us out of the echo chamber that we live in and educate and empower our listeners about the business of care. The care industry from cradle to grave encompasses a multitude of service providers. Some of these providers must have licenses and some do not. It depends on the state you reside in. Nonetheless, this multi-trillion dollar industry continues to grow. Money exploited from consumers through this industry in 2022 exceeded $63 billion. Our mission at the See Differently Project is to educate and empower our listeners by bringing guests on who are professional experts in their care field, opening the dialogue, informing our listeners, and answering your questions. You will walk away with a new perspective and empowerment over your care needs. The See Differently Project is hosted by Renee Balcom, the nation's leading healthcare advocate, on Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to the See Differently Project. Have a question for Renee or her guest? Join us on the show at 866-472-5787. That's 866-472-5787. Now, back to the show. Hi. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome back uh, to the See Differently Project. I'm here with my special guests, uh, Wayne and Alexandra Jensen, and we're talking about the scary first baby. And hey, before we uh, get into that, I do want to do a shout out to my father-in-law, Tom Balcom, who celebrated his 82nd birthday yesterday. And I know he is a devoted listener. So good morning, Tom. And um, uh, hopefully we look forward to hearing, seeing you and hearing from you soon. All right, back to Wayne and Alex. So, so let's talk about actually the experience of birthing because Alex had had a pretty unique experience and I think it's lovely and funny and fun. And I just want to make certain that, uh, uh, our listeners understand we have an idea in our head how things are going to be and they're never they never turn out quite that way so Alex you know and Wayne too I mean Wayne was right in the thick of it all so uh, but tell us about the actual birthing experience in the birthing center yeah so I had always envisioned this beautiful majestic water birth and that was really the plan from the time that we that we started at the birth center to um to the very end to the day of the plan was always that I would deliver Jackson in a bathtub and um I ended up going into labor at around 11:30 on the 25th of May and um my contractions were pretty immediate um what happened before that, like what we were doing sitting on the couch, yeah, which is pretty in, this is really kind of interesting because, you know, you're sitting there and you're pregnant and you're like, when are you going to get out of here? Yeah. (laughs) I think, yeah, really towards the end. And I had, I had Jackson the day before his due date, but really towards the, the end of the pregnancy, I was just done. I was ready to be done, ready to deliver this baby. And so, um, Wayne and I went out to dinner that night and then came home and there was this really amazing Netflix documentary that was on. I I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but it was all about uh, a variety of love stories for couples all around the world. Older that have been together for a long time. And, And this couple... Um, had been together for sick over 60 years and they were in their um, mid to late 80s and were maple yeah they were yeah, they were, they ma- were maple, maple syrup, syrup farmers maple syrup in yeah in Vermont but they had the most beautiful story and throughout the process of my pregnancy the birth center always talks about talked to me about like oxytocin levels and all of the things that would ignite pregnancy and <clears throat> or ignite um, labor. And so we had watched this documentary. I was crying my eyes out because it was just about this family's entire life, their children, their grandchildren. And then we ended up going to bed. And as soon as I laid down in bed, I had felt this pop. And I looked at Wayne <laughs> and I said, did you hear that? And he goes, no, I didn't hear anything. But what's so interesting and what nobody really tells you about when your water breaks, like you can actually hear it inside of your body. And so I I was like, okay, I'm going to stand up um, and see if my water broke. And so I did nothing, but I immediately started having contractions and I felt like they were coming on strong pretty quickly. Um, and I had labored at home for about three to four hours. 
And I kept saying to Wayne, because the previous two weeks I had false labor um, and just like Braxton Hicks contractions. And I said to Wayne, do you think this is real? Like, do you think that we're, do you think that we're really having him? <laughs> and he's like, yes, I think that this is real. So we ended up going into the car and I had made this whole playlist for Jackson. That was like this calm Christian music. <laughs> And on the way there, I was like, I need you to play Beyonce. I need you to play something other than this because this is coming on like pretty hot and heavy. Um, pretty, pretty uh, vulgar angry person. <laughs> I was like, holy moly. And so we. So you just needed your power. You were yes, looking for I your just, power. Exactly. I, I just, just was submitted. like, yeah, I said, you've got to get your head in the game because this is real. This is happening. And we had gotten to, we had gotten to the birth center and I was having painful contractions in my back. I had always heard that contractions happened in your stomach and in the front and all of my contractions were happening in my back and it was extremely painful. Um, and I, I wasn't prepared for it. So we get to the birth center and every single time I tried to take a step or move, I would contract again. And so what really, what really worked for me was just kind of staying in the same position throughout the entire labor process. Um, but I tried to get into the water and for whatever reason, temperature hot or cold made my contractions worse and, and more painful. And so we immediately knew that that was not going to work or be successful for us. And the tub was so big and she's so small. So she kept like the, her positioning or like, she was like, she was going to drown in the water. Yes. So being able to, to do that comfortably was just not really an option. And so for about eight hours, I labored in the same position and it was, it was, um, it was a crazy experience because I, I was not expecting the back contractions and the back labor. Um, and so by, you know, the sixth hour, my back and lower uh, thighs and um, kind of glute area was so sore and just exhausted that I told them, like, I need if I'm going I'm going to deliver this baby and to do this successfully I need to use my legs. I need to be able to use my thighs to push this baby out. And so they brought over this birth chair, which was extremely close to the ground and awkward for me. Um, and so I ended up uh, successfully delivering Jackson on the toilet with a squatty potty. <laughs> and I, I, I share this because I think that as a new mom or moms that are listening that are, you know, haven't had their babies yet. It's so important that we just allow, uh, the expectations of what that delivery, um, will look like to be released because I had all of these expectations and all of this pre-planning of my birth and my labor, and none of that actually happened, but my, my birth or my labor process was smooth it was successful. Um, we delivered a perfectly healthy, beautiful baby. And, um, and it was just really a great experience. Yeah, Alex, and I just want to make certain and at, at, at no point did you have any um, 
uh, chemical assistance with any drugs or spinal tap or anything like that. You did a full natural labor. That's correct. I, d- I did not do an epidural uh, six hours in. I wanted an epidural. I kept saying to Wayne, Wayne was. I think I need to go to the hospital Wayne was, now. <laughs> no, well, too late for that. Wayne was wrapped around my neck pretty much the entire time. And I just kept saying, take me to the hospital. And, mm-hmm. and, and mind you, the previous day I had worked the entire day, which I shouldn't have done. I should have slowed down a little bit and also, you know, had stayed up all night in labor. And so I think that it was just a level of exhaustion that I wasn't able to handle anymore, Mm -hmm. but we did it. Well, and don't you think, um, because again, the unfortunate thing is in an, in a hospital setting, had you been in that same situation and you asked for an epidural, Mm -hmm. you would have gotten one. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, um, there's, you know, again, for moms that are out there that are trying to decide between natural childbirth and and medically assisted birth, um, you know, I, I, and I'm not a medical professional in any way, but but I've always believed that you know the female body was made to deliver a baby, and and it's a process, and um, um, and having medical intervention is kind of an easy way to go when you're in that kind of pain, right? However, when you get on the other side of the pain, you're so much better off than had you taken the med- the chemical uh, assistance. Would you agree? You know, I I I do agree that that was the right decision for me. Mm-hmm. And I I think that what's so important is that um again, 10,000 babies are born in the country a day. And so 10,000 women are having, you know, get the opportunity to decide what's right for them. And for me, I had always envisioned a natural birth. I knew that that was what I wanted, but I don't, I don't have any, um, any issues at all with women who decide, Hey, like epidural is the right path for me. We were even joking around for our, our, our next pregnancy and baby. I said to wait, maybe I'm going to do an epidural this next time and just see what that's like, because I have friends that have had it and they're like, yeah, like I got it. And then we just breezed through it. <laughs> and I think that for me, uh, the delivery was so difficult that the de- it wasn't that the delivery was difficult. It was the after that was difficult. Mm. where I was so tired that the bonding experience that I had envisioned again for um, just delivering my baby didn't happen the way that I had hoped. And that really is my only, my only uh, sadness about the delivery was that I, I needed to sleep and I, and I did that. And so Wayne really had that first two hours, two to three hours with our son after my mm-hmm. delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I do uh, remember it was a pretty, uh, even having the baby in the birthing or in the uh, bathroom, I think there were what, two doulas present with you, right? Um, And one specifically assisting in that. And, um, uh, and it was, I don't want to say it was traumatic, but, you know, there was a lot on for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I definitely don't think that. I just think that it was, um, it was what the experience is. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, at the end of the day, you were bringing life into this world and it's a beautiful thing, but it, it's a journey. 
And um, everybody's journey is different. And I was really, really grateful for mine. I think I had an eight hour labor, which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I've had friends that have had 20 plus hour labors. Um, and so for me, it just, it was, you know, what it was for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm always amazed after a first child, women that want to have a second one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, but I think, but I think there is a lot of truth behind the, you forget the pain as soon as you see your baby, it's done. Like as soon as you do it and you bring that baby into the world, you see that baby, there's this victory and it's over and, um, and the pain is done and you kind of do for, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say I forget. I, I, I know exactly what that pain felt like. I can feel it, you know, but you, there is this excitement. And for me, I'm a pretty competitive person. And so I want to compete with myself next round and and make it better. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Good for you. And Wayne, what about you? I know, you know, being in that experience, there's a lot of energy going on and you're seeing your wife uh, having pain and struggling. What's that like for the dad? What's that, those moments like, those eight hours? Yeah, I think... I think just going into it from the very beginning, I had a lot of small talks with myself mentally, even from the time we found out she was pregnant, like, um, and then we found out I was going to be a boy, um, that I had a lot of responsibilities moving forward, you know, and, um, and they were all very, uh, humbling and supportive type responsibilities. And, um, so you know, the whole time it was just, how can I help you? What can I do to make this easier during the pregnancy? And then also, you know, even turning the music to Beyonce, then, you know, driving fast and all that stuff. And then getting to the birth center and going through that whole process. Also, you know, the, the laboring process was, was pretty intense um you know just being right in front of it the entire time and the the pain i was like thinking man this is gnarly the whole time but what was crazy for me is i was running on that adrenaline that support adrenaline at the same time you know i was i was right there with her alongside of her doing doing everything switching positions or her squeezing my hand till I'm like thinking, dude, I don't know how much longer I can have her squeezing my hand like this. I would just switch hands. And I don't know. I think, I think nobody, nobody like explains how to, to be that person, you know? And so I, I had conversations with myself, be like, you need to just go with the flow, which I'm very good with and be the support and make sure you're, in tune with what her needs are and when the baby gets her what we need to do with that whatever that looks like who knows (laughs) and so um her moving over to the toilet and going that route that was pretty wild um yeah and And was that for leverage she just needed leverage there there was it was kind of like um almost a like a handicap there was handicap accessibility in there and so there was bars and things to grab onto and squatty potties and just, a, yeah, a lot of leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and for once, after all these hours, she was able to 
switch up those positions. And then just watching her deliver the baby firsthand was absolutely magical. I mean, obviously it's pretty, you know, you know, gory or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, I mean, when you're bringing life into the world, it's incredible. Um, and just her pure exhaustion at the end and being able to, you know, be there for her to hold Jackson and clean him up and just snuggle him and make sure we had the skin on skin and all that was, 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 it was great. I mean, yeah. and the place that we went to the California birth center was just, I mean, they had snacks and they had, <laughs> we yeah, like a box, you know, it was like yeah, it was pretty very, nurturing um, environment. It was a very nurturing environment, almost like an upscale hotel or something. You know? So yeah. It was, it was fun. I had a great time. I mean, I I don't know if like fun's the right word, but it was fun. It was invigorating and, um, yeah, brought a whole nother set of responsibilities that I thought I was ready for and and I'm still working on. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're flagging us for our next break. Um, I, I am here with Alexandra and Wayne Jensen. Uh, we're going to shoot off to a break, but when we come back, we're going to shift to a little bit more serious uh, subject with uh, new parenting, and that is the the issue of postpartum. So we're going to talk about that uh, when we come back. If you have questions or comments, uh, call in. We're looking forward to hearing from you, and uh, we'll be back in a few seconds. Thank you. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to the See Differently Project. Have a question for Renee or her guest? 
Join us on the show at 866-472-5787. That's 866-472-5787. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Alexander and Wayne Jensen, and we're talking about the scary first baby. Um, we're going to shift uh, to um, the the subject of postpartum, which um, Alex is going to talk to us about that because she actually had her and Wayne both because she had that experience. And I'm going to step back, Alex, and just tell us about that journey for you. Yeah. So postpartum for me. Um, it really, the, the postpartum, I guess, depression, which what I later would learn would be like postpartum OCD, um, didn't happen for me right away. But I remember, um, being in the shower about three weeks or so, three or four weeks, uh, after delivering Jackson. And I just felt kind of this fog and, um, and all of these thoughts were trickling into my brain about, um, about things happening to my son or things happening to my husband or my mom or my grandma. <laughs> it, it was just all of these made up thoughts that I couldn't control intrusive thoughts that I couldn't control. And, um, yeah, it was just a very, very interesting time. Mm-hmm. And and you weren't necessarily diagnosed with postpartum. You just knew that your what you were experiencing, um, and you researched that yourself was classified as postpartum. Correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I, I was I was never diagnosed. I never went into a, a medical provider and received a formal diagnosis. But I knew I wasn't myself, and mm-hmm. I knew that something was not right in the way that I you know, I've always been an extremely independent person, um, since, you know, being a teenager, like I remember always wanting to do things on my own. I liked my own company. I liked going out, you know, and going shopping by myself or even seeing a movie by myself. Like I was always okay with that. And getting into postpartum, I did not want to be alone Mm -hmm. and had a fear of being alone or venturing out into public alone, Um, or even being alone with my baby. Like I remember the first time taking Jackson to the store alone and being like, oh my gosh, what a victory this is because I had always, you know, for months been afraid of that. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't have a desire to be alone at all. And Wayne, did you, did you recognize this as postpartum or did Alex have to sit down with you and say, Hey, something's not right here. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely didn't. I definitely needed to be educated by her on, on how she was feeling for sure, because I, I had no idea that that was even a thing. It wasn't talked about. They, they mentioned it briefly at the birthing center, but it wasn't like, Hey, you might have suicidal thoughts or, Hey, you might think the whole world's going to blow up. Like, I mean, it wasn't, they would just, Hey, you might feel a little sad or, I mean, it was very surface level. I mean, but I think knowing how deep it can get and how dark thoughts can go potentially is, I mean, that you need to know that kind of stuff, you know? And yeah, I definitely needed 
luckily for her and I, our relationship has always been very open and we communicate well and we don't fight. Um, we're very blessed in that sense. So she, she was never afraid to be like, Hey Wayne, I'm feeling this specifically right now, Mm -hmm. um, which was extremely helpful. And I, you know, I, I really highly, um, want people to, you know, if you are in that situation, definitely communicate it because like she was saying there, they, they were valid and they were the way she was feeling, but they were not real. You know, at the end of the day, they were fear-based or a a mental illusion based or something like that. But yeah, definitely. I was not um, very prepared for that, but you know, like I said, I, I was, it was, it was easy for me to adapt because of the fact of my attention to detail and caring and, you know, okay, well, this is how it is. Well, let me Google it. Let me do some research on it. Things like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I remember um, when you took a really, really active role at that point Mm -hmm. in Jackson's care oversight and, you know, being available uh, to kind of bridge that gap where Alex just felt like she was struggling uh, with certain things as his mother, right? And I mean, we haven't even ventured into the subject matter of nursing, which is also a huge, the upheaval in the female hormones in the birthing process and nursing and then post-delivery is just really a crazy process. And I think postpartum tends to feed into some of that and some of the insecurities that come about with all of that. Would you agree, Alex? Yeah, I, I think that for me, I was not anticipating. Again, I had this, I had this vision of being able to, you know, breastfeed my son perfectly, and it was all going to work out, and it was going to be, it was going to be um, a very easy and simple task because naturally, that's what we're told: you're supposed to be able to feed your baby. And for me, I think that that was really the first part of my journey yeah. with postpartum was this inferiority that I felt with the difficulty that I had with breastfeeding um, and exclusively pumping, which is a, a full-time job. And um, and I think for me at the time, I had this wall of protection around myself and my family. And so any outside third-party help um, with breastfeeding, like a lactation consultant and all of these things that I had readily available for whatever reason at the time, I didn't want to access that. And I think that, um, I think that now looking back at it, I, I know that that would have been the right path for me and would have led to, would have led to some success there. But I had, again, this wall, um, of protection around me that I didn't want to bring anybody in for that assistance. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, there there are so many tools and things that we can access as new moms, like um, breastfeeding shields and all of these things that are are these tool sets. Um, and so there there is a way. There is a way to to get it right. Yeah, yeah. How long did the postpartum last? Um, I think I I think uh, I think I'm starting to feel normal now. Okay. And And he's almost 20 months old now, right? Or he is 20 months old now. 20 months. Yeah. He'll be two in May. Mm -hmm. 
And, mm-hmm. and I would say normal as in this ability to um, be on my own and to be comfortable and confident going out. And, um, and, and again, it's all about communication. Like for me being able to communicate with Wayne, he was such a superhero for me in navigating the care for our son and, and me being able to just share with him like, Hey, something, I, this is how, this is what I'm thinking right now. I know that this isn't real, but this is what's going through my head and his ability to just communicate with me so well on that was it and has been and continues to be extremely helpful. Yeah. I, I think um, postpartum is this mystery that isn't spoken about enough. And, and again, I believe there's a whole host of, of uh, dynamics going on in your body and your hormones and your mind and your environment. Uh, you were very fortunate to have an attentive mate and spouse that was there for you. And so for our listeners that may not have that, um, I, I would recommend that they would reach out to a supportive family member or parent or a friend and just make certain that if they are feeling uh, this emotional detachment, and is that how you would describe that, Alex, is kind of this detachment or over-attachment? What would you, how would you define that? Both. Okay. How do I get away from here and how do I protect this with everything that I have? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's so interesting that mindset because again they're two totally different totally different thought processes. Um and I think that for me and my my goal and purpose in these types of conversations is to eliminate the stigma around postpartum, around post and 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 even give education for women because it's not only postpartum depression. I thought that that was the only that was the only thing. So oh I'm just dep- I'm having postpartum depression. But it was, there's postpartum anxiety, which is a different thing. There's postpartum um, OCD, which is that intrusive thoughts, consistent need to be in control, but feeling out of control, um, all the way to more extremely serious uh, cases of postpartum uh, psychosis. And so I think just being able for us to have these types of dialogues and know like there is no stigma around it. If 10,000 women a day are having babies, I believe it's uh, 8%. So eight out of 10 women experience some form of postpartum. There's, wow. It's so vital for us to be able to talk about these things without shame mm-hmm. and fear. And, and also for the men in these women's lives to step up and have the conversations and do the check-ins and be there for, for Wayne and I, in our relationship, it was like, this is a partnership. Like I'm not having a baby. We are having a baby. And so his, his mindset. And like he said, that coaching himself up for responsibility was really, really important for our success in, in this parenting process. And it, it just, um, I think it made all the difference for me knowing that I had that mate and partner taking care of us. Yeah. And again, for, you know, Wayne, I mean, I, I'm probably a little bit biased, but I think Wayne is extraordinary in who he is as a person and his commitment to whatever he commits to, right? He'll see it through, whether it's you know, uh, being a husband or a father or an employer or a boss or a friend or even a son-in-law, 
he will see through uh, his commitment and step up to whomever he uh, feels like he needs to be for that person. But for for women that may not have that, maybe they don't have um, that kind of support. You know, again, I recommend that you get really, really transparent with your your parents or a friend or uh, someone in your uh, uh, surrounding close environment and just let them know when you are feeling these levels of anxiety because, um, you know, having your first child, having any child, it doesn't matter if it's the first or the third, I assume we get better over time, but um, can be a daunting experience although there's joy and you know the world paints this picture like Wayne was saying earlier we don't we don't get prepared for this there's nothing that really prepares you except your own emotional uh stamina to be able to step in and say i'm going to get through this right and have a partnership that can help you um well you guys I, as you go ahead i think for us too we've talked today so much about um some of the hard realities of of becoming a parent, but there is, it's like, it's the greatest blessing. We have the most fun (laughs) and it's the, it's the time of our life. Mm -hmm. Like this beautiful baby boy is the joy of our life. And, um, there are hard things, but there's beautiful things and there's gifts, so many gifts, um, about being a parent and being a first time parent. And we're so excited to do it again. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And I think we have a lot to talk about. So we probably should schedule you back on the show because I had a whole bunch more questions that we didn't even cover. Um, I do want to uh, give you an opportunity, Alex, tell us, take a second and tell us about uh, the Worthy blog and about the Worthy brand and what you're doing with that. Tell us how we can find you. Yeah. So you can find me at the Worthy blog on Instagram and um, Alexander Jensen on Facebook um, and theworthyblog.com is the direct link to Worthy. And for Wayne? Yeah, uh, my Instagram's private. So <laughs> so don't reach him. <laughs> no, I don't like the, yeah. Uh, you can see our life through my lens at can find the Worthy me, Blog. You can find me ran- at, randomly at a Dutch bros near Woodland. <laughs> <laughs> And then text me. Yeah. So, um, and this this uh, broadcast will be rolling over to all of your uh, podcast outlets. So, if you want to get more information, please go there. I want to thank you guys again for being with us. Next week, we have a big, big special announcement we're going to do. So, join us next week. I am Renee Balcom. I'm the president and owner of Renee and Company, the founder of Scroll.Care, and the creator of the See Differently Project. Thank you for being with us and have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the See Differently Project with your host, Renee Balcom. We hope we have given you some insight into the business of care, and we hope you are empowered in your own care needs. Until we talk again, have a wonderful week.